don't know about the rest of you, but I needed this tonight. I needed to hear about the love of God. It's always a joy to sing praise unto the Lord because He loves us. I mean, you know, the Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us, that He moved first. That's what I love about the Lord. He always moves first. And when it comes to uh, the love that um, we have for Him and we have for others, that love was given to us because He loved you and I before we ever even thought about Him, before we ever realized who He was or what He could do. And so I'm so thankful tonight for the amazing matchless love of God. What a blessing that truly is. Thank you, brother, for that song. Take your Bibles, if you will, please. Let's look at Romans chapter number 12 this evening. And um, we'll be looking there starting in verse number 1. Um, when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, you're going to see a pattern over and over and over again in everything that he writes. You're going to see him spend a whole lot of time teaching about doctrine. Now, when I say doctrine, I'm talking about he's letting us know what we believe in the Christian faith and why we believe it. He's telling us what the Christian faith actually is, what it means to be a Christian, what the gospel is all about. So he spends a whole lot of time on doctrine, and that's exactly what he's done here in Romans chapter, uh, well, the whole book of Romans. He, he spends a whole lot of time teaching us about the gospel, the, the, the doctrines of the Christian faith, and that's very important, and that's very powerful. We've said it before, and I'm going to continue saying it. The Apostle Paul, by inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit, speaks to us logically and reasonably uh, when discussing the doctrines that we believe as Christians. I mean, he does it in a very powerful way. It's an amazing thing uh, to see how he reasons out and logically explains uh, what we believe as Christians. And so that's what he's done here in the book of Romans. If you remember, he started in the first chapter and went through about chapter 3 speaking on the doctrine of condemnation. And he proved to us um, with reasonable explanations and logical explanations about how the Jew and the Gentile are all guilty before a holy God. God is holy and we are not. And uh, us in our sin as rebels against God, we stand in condemnation before the Lord. That's why he says in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. He tells us in Romans 3, 23, uh, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What he's teaching us is the doctrine of condemnation. But he doesn't stop there. He tells us where we are without Christ to show us where we can be with Christ. See, before you ever get someone saved, you've got to get them lost. <laughs> And so he gets us all lost. He tells us why we are in condemnation before God who is holy. And then he moves on from the doctrine of condemnation and teaches us the doctrine of justification. And he starts that at the end of Romans chapter 3. If you remember, he said that we are justified freely by the grace of God in Romans 3.24. He makes it plain to us in Romans 3, 4, 5, and 6 about how justification comes by grace through faith. Listen how he puts it in Romans chapter 5 and, and the first uh, verse. He says that we are justified freely. Watch this now. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the teaching? What's the doctrine of justification? We who are justified or made right before a holy God are justified by God's grace through our faith in the finished work of Christ. It's not about who we are or what we've done. It's not about works. But we are justified by grace 
through faith in Jesus. He tells us that over and over and over again, Romans 3, 4, 5, and 6. So he teaches us the doctrine of justification. Then if you go on to Romans chapter 8, he teaches us the doctrine of sonship. Man, I love Romans chapter 8. We looked at all the benefits of the believer. If you remember Romans 8 and 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. What's he telling us? Well, listen, the condemnation that we were once under has been taken away for everybody who is now in Christ. And how do we get in Christ? By grace through faith. When we trust in Jesus, we are made a part of God's family. We are born again into the family of God. That's why Romans 8.15 says we've not been, we've been, not been given the spirit of fear uh, again for bondage, but we've been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So he's teaching us that we who have placed our faith in Jesus are now the adopted sons and daughters of Almighty God. Romans 8, 17, he says it like this. He says, then we become heirs to God and joint heirs with Jesus. So we see the doctrine of condemnation, justification. Then we see the doctrine of sonship. And he pretty much outlines those benefits of the believer. Romans 8, 9, 10, and even through 11. He tells us all that the, the benefits we have if we've trusted in Christ. And so he, he gives us a whole lot of doctrine. And that's good because you need to know and I need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Can you say amen? The Bible says that uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We need to know what we believe, why we believe it, according to the truth of the Word of God. And so Paul lays it out for us in a very, very powerful way through inspiration of the Holy Spirit using some great logic and reason to do so. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. It's an amazing thing. And so I'm thankful for all the teaching of doctrine. But then you're going to see this in all of his writings, not just in Romans, but in the other books that we've studied. He spends a whole lot of time in doctrine, and then he shifts his focus from doctrine to duty. And that's what he does here. And now that, that's important as well. See, doctrine is us learning what we believe and why we believe it. Duty is us putting into practice what we say we believe. It's good to know what we believe, but if we don't know how to practically apply that to our lives daily, then it does us no good and it does a lost and dying world no good. We'll never accomplish our purpose that we've been saved to accomplish without practically putting into, uh, in, into uh, our lives daily, applying the truth that we say we know and believe. And so he, that's what he does through the duty. Duty is the learning, or excuse me, doctrine is the learning, duty is the living. And he teaches us in Romans chapter 12 how to live out our faith. That's why I told you two weeks ago when we were talking about the 12th chapter of Romans that it's the gospel in shoe leather. It's putting uh, what we believe into practical everyday um, ways that we can live out our faith in the world that we live in. And so I'm so thankful for Romans chapter number 12. He starts off in the 12th chapter of Romans with our relationship to God. And, and folks, how do you know that's where everything starts? You, you're never going to be right in your relationship with men unless you're right in your relationship with God. To be an effective child of God, effectively living out our faith, uh, practically living out the faith we say we have in Jesus, if we're going to do that, that means impacting others. We'll never impact 
others if we're not right with God. We'll never have a good relationship with the people God puts in our lives if we don't have a right relationship with God himself. And I found that to be true in every area of my life. See, if, if there's something going on between me and the Lord and I'm not where I need to be in my walk with Christ, I can promise you my marriage will suffer because of that. My relationship to my wife certainly suffers because of that. My relationship to my kids will suffer because of my lack of fellowship with the Lord. I, they, I, I've seen that in my life time upon time upon time. And so uh, we've got to have a right relationship and in right fellowship with God if our relationship to everybody else is going to be what it needs to be and what it's supposed to be. So he starts with our relationship with the Lord. And he says in Romans 12, 1, and I know uh, Brother Ben spoke about this last week and done a good job, so I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. He tells us that he, he beseeches us, he begs us. He says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And Ben told you last week that that living sacrifice that's being spoken about here is actually a fulfillment of those Old Testament sacrifices that were foreshadowed all the way back um, under the Old Testament system. And I believe that as well. But when he's talking here in, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, folks, he's telling us that we've got to, if we're going to have a right relationship with God, we've got to give God our body. That's really what he's talking about. We're to become living sacrifices, living acts of worship unto the Lord. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it's not really that we're giving God anything. Really what we're doing is taking our hands off of what, what is already God's. Now, take, take your, your pen and paper if you're taking notes or write this down in the margin of your Bible there by Romans 12.1. I want you to write down 1 Corinthians 6.20. 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us that me and you as believers have been bought with a price. If you believe that tonight, say amen. Do, do you understand and realize that salvation has always been free? <laughs> it's a free gift given to everybody who will receive it by faith. No doubt about that. But even though salvation has always been free, it's never been cheap. Our salvation cost uh, the blood of the Son of God and God the Son. We were purchased at the cross by the precious blood of Jesus. That was made real to us when we placed our faith in Christ as Savior. At the moment we were converted, at the moment we believed. We were put in the body of Christ. We were put in the family of God. We were born again by faith in Jesus. But we have been bought with a price according to 1 Corinthians 6.20. No doubt about that. Now, what does it mean that we are bought with a price? Well, he tells us that, what it means in, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, the 20th verse. He says that our life is no longer our own. It's no longer about what I want, but what Jesus wants. No longer about my plan, but his plan. It's no, more, no, no longer about the direction I want to take my life, but what direction is he taking my life? Why? Because I, it's not about me anymore. It's about him. And Paul says that it, we should give God our body just because it's our reasonable service. He's not asking us to do anything unreasonable here. He's saying you've already been bought. Really what we need to do is take our hands of what, off of what's already God's. It's just reasonable that if Jesus laid down his life for us, we ought to give our lives to him. If he took our punishment and set us free, if he took our death and gave us his life, then we are to live this life 
for him if we've been bought with a price. Now, I want to tell you something. As I've told you time upon time before, doing this is not grievous, it's glorious. When we, when we relinquish our will to God's will, when we give our, our all to the Lord, when we start experiencing all that God has for us in giving ourselves fully to Him, man, what a blessing that truly is. There's nothing like serving the Lord. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If there were no heaven and there were no hell, I'd still serve Jesus. I'd still follow Jesus. I'd still trust in Jesus just so I could know Him, just so I could experience that fellowship with Him, that sweet fellowship with the Lord. This is not a grievous thing. This is a glorious thing. He who created you knows how life is to be lived. And so we are to give our body to him. Take our hands off of what God already possesses. If you're a believer, if you've been bought with a price. I love Miss Janet Alexander. It's one of my favorite Christians of all time. Some of y'all may know Miss Janet. Her and Brother Skip. Um, great man and woman of God have faithfully served the Lord for years and whenever me and Brandy were first married uh, Brother Skip and Miss Janet um, Brother Skip was our pastor and so we were in their church for the first I guess one maybe two years of our marriage and the Lord worked in my life greatly under Brother Skip Alexander I love that brother so thankful for it I can remember something that Miss Janet always said, though, that blessed my soul. She would always say, God is such a gentleman. <laughs> I love that, because it's true. God is not going to force you to do anything. God won't force you to love Him. God won't force you to serve Him. God won't force you to praise Him. But now listen, if you choose not to love Him, if you choose not to serve Him, if you choose not to praise Him, then you're going to miss out on all the good stuff God's got for you. It's not grievous to serve the Lord. It's glorious to serve the Lord. So give God your body. Take your hands off of what's His and say, Lord, here I am, use me. Take me and use me for your honor and your glory. That's what Paul is saying, and I believe in Romans 12. One, give it all to the Lord. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Some people think God to be like the farmer who once went to milk the cow. Have you ever heard about him? He got up early one morning, went out to milk his cow, came back to the breakfast table where his wife was sitting, and she said, Honey, did you, how much milk did she give you? And, and he said, She didn't give me any of it. I had to take it all. Now, some people think God to be like the cow, that, uh, or, or God to be like the former, that he, he forces us to give um, what is, uh, is already his. No, he's just asking you to relinquish your will, to take your hands off what he is, and let him use you. That's an amazing thing. It's a powerful thing. We get to be a part of what the creator of heaven and earth is doing. When we present ourselves to the Lord. So give God your body, he tells us in verse number one. But he also says in verse number two to give God your mind. Give God your mind because that makes all the difference. The book of Proverbs tells us that as a man thinks, so is he. Now what does that mean? Your thought process controls how you live your life. Your thoughts control your behavior. No doubt about it. 
So we have to be transformed, it says in verse 2, by the renewing of our mind. Not to be conformed or to be made and molded into the, the image of the world. Now, how are you made and molded in the image of the world? Well, you're made and molded into the world's image by believing the ideas of the world system. By allowing your mind to be clouded and think like the world thinks. Now, God has saved us so that we might be what is pleasing unto himself. And the only way that's going to happen is with a transformed mind. This word transformed that's used here in the Greek is the same word we get our English word metamorphosis from. You know what a metamorphosis is? It's a change that takes place. Some of you can probably help me with this, but I remember, I think it was about the sixth grade, in Miss Moses' science class, we learned about the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. When we went in, she had um, an, a glass case that, that year with a bunch of cocoons in it. And over time, we waited with anticipation daily, every day walking in to see if those cocoons had burst open and butterflies had came out. And, and I'll never forget when it finally happened, man. That was an exciting day for a bunch of sixth graders. But uh, there, there was a lot of difference in that butterfly than that cocoon. Man, that cocoon looked like a dirty piece of cotton. I mean, that's pretty much what it was. But when the butterfly actually broke forth, something beautiful had happened. It was amazing. There was a change that took place that happened on the inside and made a difference on the outside. Can you say amen? And that's the same thing Paul is saying right here. It's the transformation of our mind, that metamorphosis, when God does a work on the inside that makes a difference, therefore, on the outside. This change, this transformation, this metamorphosis happens when we set our minds on truth. That's why Jesus said, the truth is going to set you free. Amen. The truth makes all the difference. Our minds must be set on truth. Our lives must be based on truth if our behavior is going to change in such a way that it will be pleasing unto the Lord. Our minds cannot be controlled by emotion and feeling but truth. Now, where are we going to get this truth? Well, take your Bibles Turn with me over to Philippians chapter 4. Let me show you something there. Philippians 4 and verse number 6. Paul says it like this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So Paul tells us in Philippians 4 and 6, and I love this verse. He says, worry about nothing, be careful for nothing, but pray about everything. You know our lives would be so much happier if we'd do that as believers. Stop all the worrying. And start a whole lot of praying. He says, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. In all things give thanks unto the Lord. Verse 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How do you live in peace as a believer? Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Put it in God's hands. How many of y'all believe tonight God's enough? God's enough to overcome whatever we face. The Bible says we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Hey, believe that. Set your mind on truth. I promise you it changes everything. Brings peace to a troubled heart and purpose to a wandering life. 
He says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's he say? Think on these things. Let me ask you something. Where do you get things that are pure, lovely, of a good report, and virtuous? Where do you get things like that? Where do you get praiseworthy things? Where do you find all that stuff? You find it in the truth of the Word of God. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you. A steady diet of God's Word makes all the difference. All the difference in your life and in my life. Now, I'm thankful you're here on a Wednesday night. I, I hope you come back Sunday. Man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do then. I hope you're here every time the doors are open. Praise the Lord that, uh, for that. I, I'm thankful that we're able to meet together as the people of God. What a blessing that is. But if all you're getting of the Word of God is what you get inside the four walls of this church, you're missing out on so much more of what God has for you. So Paul says, fill your mind with the Word of God. Set your mind on truth. You can't do that without a steady diet of God's Word. You can't. Set your mind on truth. Your mind cannot be set on emotion and feeling. The greatest problem I see in today's world is that most people control their life with emotion and feeling. Listen to me. Emotion or feelings are great foot soldiers, but terrible generals. Let me tell you what psychologists tell us. Psychologists tell us that emotion, what they really do is reinforce how you're thinking. What changes your life is how you think. So how important is it that you think what is true? And when you begin to think what is true, your emotion then reinforces that, then backs that up. Uh, Brother Dave Edwards one of my favorite preachers was at Mission Macon last year when we went. And he spoke on this verse. Man, it, it blowed my mind. It really did. It blessed my heart, changed my life. But he was talking about how powerful right thinking is for the believer. What Paul is saying here about the transforming of your mind. And what he said was, if we base... Um, our lives on wrong thinking or untruths, our emotions will reinforce that and we completely lose our peace and everything else we really do. He told a story about how he, when he first was called to preach and the Lord put him in the youth ministry, that the Lord was using him greatly and, and giving him many opportunities to go preach and I can see why because I've never heard a, a more a powerful speaker for youth than Dave Edwards. That brother done a fantastic job last year in Macon, Georgia. I really enjoyed that time spent with him. But he was talking about how the Lord gave him an opportunity to go and preach at a passion conference um, at the Atlanta Falcons football stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. And he said he got there and the place was just full of kids. And he gets up on the stage and man, he said, I was nervous. And, and wondering how everything was going to go. And he said, uh, he stood up on the stage and he, he began speaking and telling some things to really get into his message. He, 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 and, and what he'd always do, man, he would get those kids going and get their attention um, by, by really just telling some, some funny stuff. And, and uh, he, he was really good at that. 
he, he just knew how to talk to kids. You know, it was amazing. And he said he started that, and, he, and, the, and, and everything he was saying was just falling flat on the crowd. Nobody was laughing. Nobody was joining in. Nobody was taking part in the service whatsoever. And he said, all of a sudden, he, he just got down and out on himself. And he thought, man, I've, I've dropped the ball here. I've failed. Um, my ministry's over. I, th th listen, I never should have even came. And he just got discouraged and was ready to quit right there on the stage. So he pretty much just gave about a five-minute sermon, went through the gospel, prayed, and walked off the stage. And he said when he walked off the stage, one of the guys met him from the sound crew. And they said, man, what are you doing? He said, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, man, it was just falling flat. Nobody was into the sermon. Nobody was into the, what I was saying, what I was doing. It just wasn't going anywhere. He said, man, I just feel like quitting. I'm done. And the guy said, man, you never turned your mic on. So here he is in the Atlanta football stadium with thousands of people listening. And he's just up on the stage talking and nobody can hear him. But in his mind, which was based on an untruth, listen, his emotions then come along and reinforced what he was thinking. And he was ready to quit, give up, and never preach again. Man, I, I, that, that really spoke to me because I can see how that can happen in everybody's life. When you start thinking things untrue and your emotions reinforce that, then it can tear down everything God wants to do in you and through you. Let me give you, for instance, I mean, just in some, some things that we see going on in our world today. There are people today, me and my son was talking about this very thing last night, how that emotions make great foot soldiers but terrible generals, that you've got to base your life, you've got to set your mind on truth. And then when you set your mind on truth, those emotions reinforce that, and then you're able to live your life in a way pleasing unto the Lord. But it can't be the other way around. It can't be basing your, what, you, what you do and what you believe on your feelings and emotions. Because that messes everything up. Then, then you're um, like that double-minded man, unstable in all his ways that James talks about. And, and so we were talking about that last night. And, and uh, we've got people right now in this country, as a matter of fact, the... State government of, government of New York actually recognizes, I think, about 30 different genders. 30. Folks, that is not based on truth. That's based upon emotion and feeling. If you base that on truth, see, we can take a simple blood test now and know whether or not you're a male or female. If you have the XX sex chromosome, you're a female. If you have an XY sex chromosome, then you're a male. That's truth. That's reason. That's logic. But when you base how you feel and try to then make that what you are, folks, everything falls apart. That's not only true for those who are struggling with gender identity. It's also true uh, for a lot of different things that we could talk about. You, you've got to set your mind on truth and then allow your emotion to reinforce 
what you know to be true. That's why it's so important. We get a steady diet of God's Word. Yes, in service like this on Wednesday night Bible study and Sunday morning, but also daily in your own personal quiet time. Take time to spend time with the Lord in His Word. And that metamorphosis then takes, takes place that the Holy Spirit of God does from the inside that makes a difference on the outside. And so we must fix our minds on truth. You've got to give God your mind. But let me tell you something else. You give God your body. You give God your mind. But look at the last part of verse number 2. It says that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see that? The perfect will of God. You've got to give God your will. Listen to what Dr. Warren Wiersbe says about the will we have. It is only when we yield our will to God that he gives us the willpower and the want power we need to be victorious. That's good stuff. It, see, it's, it's not about us in our own ability and willpower trying to please God through what we can do. It's about us relinquishing our will uh, completely unto the Lord. Let me give you a perfect example of a living sacrifice. Jesus is a living sacrifice. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Jesus relinquished his will to God the Father. He gave his life upon the cross. Now he is alive, seated at the right hand of God the Father. But what happened before Jesus went to the cross? If you remember the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he pray? Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. What's he doing? Not only is he relinquishing his body, not only is he relinquishing his mind, he's relinquishing his will unto God the Father. And we must do the same thing if we're going to be a living sacrifice. See, your mind controls your body, but it's your will that controls the mind. So we must relinquish our will to God's will. And what God says, we do. Does this make sense to you? Folks, listen to me. If you want to be what God wants you to be, give Him your body. Take your hands off of what is already His. Listen, give Him your mind. Allow God to transform your mind by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and give God your will. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. You know what I encourage you to do? Do that daily. Do that daily. Each and every day, man. When you, before your feet hit the floor, just give God your day. Lord, this is not about me. This is about you. Lord, use me today for your honor and your glory. I realize I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. Lord, lead God and direct me. And I promise you, when you get serious with God in that, He'll get serious with you. When you relinquish your will to His will, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. He deals with our relationship to God. Then He deals with our relationship to others. That's what we find 
in Romans 12, starting in verse number 3, says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We should never get puffed up in ourselves, Because, folks, listen, without Jesus, we are nothing. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Isn't that what the, what the Bible says in, in John chapter 15? Jesus said that the branch in and of itself can bear no fruit, but those who abide in the vine can bear much fruit. That's what I want. That's what we need as believers. We need some fruit. That life of the vine being pressed out through the branch that makes a difference in a lost and dying world. So we don't get puffed up in ourselves. We don't glorify self. We glorify the Lord. We rely upon Him. We rest in Him. We allow Him to work on us, work in us, and work through us to accomplish His goodwill and purpose. So don't get puffed up in self, but man, glorify God by living in your life under the power of the Holy Spirit, pleasing unto the Lord. Verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Folks, listen to me. All of us inside the body of Christ, we've been put in the body for a reason. Every member has a purpose. We've all been given a gift so that we might edify or build up the body. Let's, let's stop right there tonight. I'd like to go further, but we're not going to have time to go as far as we need to go. So let's stop right there. Next week, we'll pick back up and talk about the gifts we have. Now, how many of you know, I, I know what some of you are thinking because, folks, I've thought this myself. I understand Billy Graham's got a gift. That brother had a gift. I can understand that people like Adrian Rogers and um, David Jeremiah, I understand they got a gift. I can understand people like David Livingston, the great missionary, he had a gift. Lottie Moon, she had a gift. Annie Armstrong, she had a gift. All of these great missionaries that we read about, study about, and admire, they all had gifts. I understand King David had a gift. Folks, listen, you've got a gift too. Whoever you are, if you're a child of God, you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit specially so that He might use you in His body for His honor and His glory. I can't wait to share that with you next week. We're many members that make up one body and our purpose is to glorify the head, which is the Lord Jesus. Anybody got anything tonight? Comments or questions? Any prayer requests this evening?